Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. We cannot stand for Jesus and ignore truth. Truth is eternal. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context, where we are helping believers live out the truth in the context of their life and the local church. Hey, I want to talk to you about a great subject today, truth. Isn't that a buzzword? People talk about truth. They talk about the truth, a truth, my truth, whatever in the world that is. But I want to talk to you about truth today and kind of get you to expand your thinking here and and go more in theological terms than philosophical terms. In John 18, 37, here's what Jesus said. Therefore, Pilate said to him, mean Jesus, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you said correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. So Jesus not only is truth, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, not a truth, but the truth. So truth by its very nature can be viewed by people who don't like truth or don't like absolutes. Truth is absolute. You could almost substitute the word absolute and the word truth in at different times because truth is not subject to change. Truth cannot change because truth is eternal. Truth is not measured in the now. Truth is measured in eternity. See, facts are accurate, but they're subject to change. Truth is accurate, but it's not subject to change. There's nothing you can do to change truth. You can't vote it out. You can't ignore it. You can't have a different opinion. You can't come up with a different philosophy. It will always be true. For instance, when the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, they changed the facts of the United States law, right? But they didn't change the truth because the truth was always in God's eyes that killing children, lying to women, exploiting men to kill an unborn child is always wrong. That's the truth, no matter what the facts were. Now, there are some people that try to get us to believe that if you have clear convictions, uh, if you have a a narrow path that you are walking on, that you are narrow-minded and that you are limited, and they come up with things like my truth. Well, let me give you an illustration. If I'm driving down the highway and I'm driving... 40 miles over the speed limit, and the uh, Pennsylvania State Trooper, I live in Pennsylvania, they're notorious for pulling people over, uh, pulled me over and says, uh, you know, you were going 40 miles over the speed limit. If I said to him, well, sir, not according to my speedometer. My speedometer has a different gear in it, and it measures speed different than yours. Not only would I get a speeding ticket, I'd probably be detained to see if I was competent to be driving a vehicle, that I just made up my own rules. I made up my own truth as I went. And so when people talk about their truth, uh, they can be sincere. They're just sincerely wrong if their truth does not match up in God's word. Now, 
Is it narrow-minded to think in absolute terms? Of course not. Now, here's what's interesting. When someone says to you, there is no absolute truth, what have they just done? They've just made an absolute statement of truth saying there is no absolute truth. So you cannot get away from absolutes. But if you look in the gospel, not the gospel of John, but in 1 John, in the second chapter, and verse 27 says this, As for the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. So people have taken this out of context. Well, see, if I have the Holy Spirit, I don't need anybody to teach me. But you've got to read the context. He said, if the truth abides in you. What were they talking about? Well, let's look at it. Verse 23. Let's go up a couple verses. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you, which you heard from the beginning, and what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and the Father. What's he talking about? He's talking about the Father and the Son being one. And so he says to them, you don't have need for anybody else to teach you anything about this. Okay? It's already a done deal. So you examine the facts, you arrive at a conclusion, and when people said to me, well, you're just not open to anything, doesn't mean that I'm not open to it. It means that I've already searched it and come to a decision, and there's no information that you're going to give me to convince me that Jesus and the Father are not one. I have no need for anybody else to teach me, okay? That doesn't mean I'm narrow-minded. It actually just means I'm right, okay? That's eternal truth. And of course, there was heresies that were going on in the church at that time trying to say that Jesus and the Father were separate. Verse 28 says this, Now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Verse 27 says, that this is true and not a lie. What was the lie? The lie was that the Father and the Son were not one, and we don't need anybody else to teach us. I, I uh, Penny read a Facebook, uh, a Facebook post that somebody did to me today, lambasting me for being pro-life and accusing me of being a bigot. Nothing original at all. This lady just strung together some things she's heard on the 6 o'clock news. Well, am I open to consider the fact that children should be aborted? Here's my answer. No. Never. Why? Because it's true that all all people are made in the image of God, that God is a creator, that we are the stewards of life, and we are not the takers of life. Okay? That is not our prerogative. Uh, that ch- abortion is just a modern day of ch- term of, for child sacrifice. So I'm not willing to have that discussion with somebody. Okay, when I was pastoring, the local Islamic group wanted to have a meeting with me to see how we could work together. And I told him, I said, you know, we really do not have common ground to work together. It does not mean we have to be antagonistic about certain things. Uh, I can certainly be a diplomat when I need to be for the cause of Christ. But we really do not have any common ground. When you say that Jesus is not God, we do not have common ground. When you say that Jesus is not the only way, we really do not have any common ground. 
okay? That doesn't mean I'm narrow-minded. It means I'm on the right path, okay? So you can be committed to the truth without being narrow-minded or restricted or limited or ignorant in any way. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when people like to quote Matthew 7, don't judge, of course, they never read the context of what that's talking about. Uh, say, well, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said he was the way, the truth, and the life. So if they want to quote Jesus on one thing, we need to bring them back to the other thing. Remember, he said to Pilate, I've come to testify of the truth. I am a king. Was Jesus a king then? The facts were no. The truth was yes. Is Jesus going to be king? No, he is king. He always has been king. He can be nothing less than king. See, that's the truth. And God has empowered us to walk in truth. Truth is eternal. Truth is not subject to change. And the Bible says that the church of God, we are to be the pillars of truth, that we cannot stand for Jesus and ignore truth. Okay. Now I would say this because some people just like to get in a good fight over things that Because Christ is truth, that truth by its very nature is redemptive and should flow through the character of Christ. So when we are debating the truth or even arguing the truth or having a lively discussion about the truth, which are all valid, we just got to remember what our point is and what we're trying to make. It's trying to point people to Christ that he is the truth and the reason we believe the truth is because Jesus told us what that truth was and that he is the truth. So you cannot separate those two. You cannot make up your own speed limit. You cannot go into a restaurant and uh, change the menu to the prices that you want to pay. You can't do that. You can't change the moral law to say that sex outside of marriage is acceptable when the Bible says that it's not acceptable. That's truth. It'll always be true no matter how unpopular it is. That's what truth is. Now, remember something. It's truth that sets people free. Truth brings freedom. So when there is bondage in a person's life, I believe it comes down to two very broad things. I'm not trying to be overly broad here, but but I believe this to be true. They are either believing a lie about God or they are believing a lie about themselves, okay? When a person stays in bondage, when they believe they are unloved by God, they are incapable of escaping chronic sin or habits or addictions or lifestyles or anything, they're either believing one or two lies. They're believing that God is not caring and loving and powerful or that there is something wrong with them that they can't receive that care, love, and power that they are somehow just excluded from the promises of God. Granted, there may be conditions that they're violating that they've got to get right. That's a different argument. But basically, they're going to believe a lie about one of those two things. So the truth sets you free. The truth sets you free. Remember the woman in Mark 5 who touched Jesus and then Jesus examined her and she told him the whole truth, the Bible says, And then he said to her, daughter, go in peace. I love that. Daughter, go in peace. 
She got her identity from Christ. That was the truth. Before she was just a woman with the issue of blood. After she touched Jesus, she was a daughter because that was the truth. If you're in bondage, if you're struggling today, there's a lie that's coming against you. It's either a lie about who God is. God will do that for somebody else. That's a lie. That's not believing who God is. God wants to do it for you. Or God, or you're believing a lie about yourself, that you're not loved by God, that you're not cared for by God. So you've got to put those lies to rest. How do you do that? Well, you look in the Bible to see what God said is true, not what is just factual according to the world. The world is all kind of facts. You know, your checkbook may say you're not too blessed, but God's calls you blessed. Your body may say you're not too healed, but the Bible calls you healed. What What is truth? What is, let me ask you this, which one's going to last longer? God's truth is going to last longer. It's, it's eternal. Truth is eternal. Truth is not subject to change. The Bible says there is no shifting shadow in Jesus, okay? There's not even a possibility of him changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's because he's true. So we need to walk in truth. So on our next podcast, I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about a very practical biblical example that literally tell us how to walk in truth and walk into that freedom. Hey, this is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. Uh, you might want to listen to this more than once. You might want to send it off to somebody, but let the truth set you free today. Truth is absolute. Truth is not subject to change. Truth is not measured in the now, but measured in eternity. Truth will always be true. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to equip believers to lead in every area and venue of life. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. To contact Keith or ask him a question, email podcast at nrpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at nrpastors. See you next week.